Welcome to Building Forever, a De Beers Group podcast where we explore how we're creating a positive, lasting impact on the world around us, an impact that will endure well beyond the discovery of our last diamond. Hi there, my name is Jackie Mabiloko and I'm your host. On this, the ninth episode of our Building Forever podcast, we'll be focusing on climate change and nature loss, the defining challenges of our time. Tackling them is up to all of us. Because there's no denying it, the earth is getting warmer. Biodiversity is in decline and many natural habitats are facing collapse. We're already acting to minimize our operational carbon footprint, but everyone has their part to play, to move from words to deeds, take action for the planet and change our behaviors to be more sustainable. In a moment, we'll hear from a few champions who are driving real action in De Beers. They're sitting down with my colleague Elle to talk about their work. Over to you, Elle. Thank you, Jackie. It is a pleasure to be sitting down with people who are so passionate about the environment. I welcome Elmarie, Charlotte and Alice to the Building Forever podcast. Hello, ladies, and lovely to have you here. Now, uh, I would really like to start with some introductions just so that our listeners know your voices. So could you uh, tell us your name, where you're based, and perhaps just one fact about the climate in your part of the world? Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Alice Kopana. I'm based in Kaboroni, Botswana, Southern Africa, for those who are not on my continent. And yeah, one thing about the weather, it's been raining in winter. It's something that we are not used to. So yeah, it's an interesting uh, phenomenon, if I can put it that way. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Alice. Um, Charlotte, we'll come to you next. My name is Charlotte Johns. Um, I, um, I've just uh, joined a new team. I'm now the new Sustainability Integration Manager here in London. Um, here in the UK, we've also had some rather extraordinary weather in the last few years. I mean, the last two summers have seen some record-breaking temperatures. Last summer, we some ha- saw highs of over 40 degrees C in many parts of the UK, which is just crazy. Uh, temperatures, over, temperatures over 30 used to be abnormal, and we've already had days over 30 this year. Um, it's a bit cooler today, but certainly the earth is pretty dry and cracked, and the greenery is wilting and turning brown. It's it's pretty scary. So it's great to kind of be part of something that hopefully we can motivate some change. Let's hope so. And finally, to Elle-Marie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me too. Um, Elmarie Sneijman, Sustainability Officer at NAMDEP. I am based at the operations in Oranjemund, which is situated in the southwestern part of Namibia, also African continent like Alice. Um, interesting fact, our daily temperatures um, is usually 25 degrees Celsius, quite low for being in the Namib desert, and we often experience four seasons in one day. So we always have a jacket ready for just in case. Gosh, uh, did you say that there was um, some storms earlier in the week, Elmarie? Yes, we had we had a few trees um, that fell. And the, the waves, the sea were extremely rough. And, and with that was a sandstorm. So when it wasn't raining, it was there was a sandstorm. And then that night or that evening, we had a, a very, like a hard downpour of rain. I think they said we, for our town, we got 18 millimeter and our average rainfall is 19 for the year. 
So 18 millimetres in one evening. That's great. Oh, my goodness. I mean, this is this is basically why we're here talking today, right? Because this is pretty cataclysmic weather. And it's so interesting to hear your different perspectives there. Thank you for sharing them, because I think it is quite easy to talk about climate, notice the climate around us, see the climate clock counting down in Times Square. It's just got six years left on it to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees. And I think it can be quite overwhelming. And today I wanted to focus on action and hope. And my first question is, how do you make hope your motivator? And I'll, I'll come to you again, Alice, first, if that's okay. Thank you. For me, um, my hope comes in faith in human beings. I mean, if you look historically, human beings have been through the West and um, we've been resilient. Um, and we've always found our, out ways of coming out of challenging times and events. So for, for me, that gives me hope. We may not always have um, a structured strategy of how we get out of situations, but ultimately as human beings, I found that we're very resilient and we, we always find a way out of this. So in this context, I believe that um, we'll make sure that there's a future for those who are coming behind us. Thank you. I, I, I love that. I love your faith in humanity and, and I desperately want to believe that too. Do feel uh, free to chip in, um, Elmarie, Charlotte, on your thoughts on, on hope and how you make it motivating. Thanks, Al. I think it, it can be hard to feel optimistic sometimes and it's easy to feel overwhelmed and sometimes a bit helpless. But I often take hope from seeing headlines such as solar and wind expected to add more than 60% of the US power to the US power grid this year and plummeting coal prices as green energy surges in China. I mean, renewable energy is not without its challenges, of course, but does make you realise that there are so many amazing projects happening and that together and step by step, we can all be part of the solution. To add to um, Alice and Charlotte, um, what you do see more often is Everywhere you go, these people trying to make a difference, to be more sustainable. In our little town alone, there's more and more solar panels on the roofs. Um, in our company, Tea Time talks are about the wind and solar farm projects, the excitement of our first electric forklift that was handed over this week, and the electric bus is on its way. So it's all excitement and it's giving hope. Then another big hope for me is the government support for green hydrogen, uh, the renewable energy. So that all adds to my hope that we can be carbon neutral by 2030, as we all wish to be. I completely agree. And and actually, uh, specifically for your part of the world, Elmarie, in, in Namibia, you know, you've got, you were talking about the storms earlier, if only there, there was more and it's coming. I know it's coming more kind of um, wind infrastructure to really take advantage of that. That would be a really bright movement in this plan. Um, and I guess that's what I want to get us from those hopes and those heartfelt beliefs that actually we, we must cling to. It's so important. But actually, then how do we move from words and feelings to action? And I want to start with you, Charlotte, because um, you have put together what is called the Climate Action Team. And I'm just really interested in where that started and, and kind of what you're working on more recently that's made you feel more hopeful towards this, more actionable. Yeah, thanks, Al. The Climate Action Team or Community 
came about because increasingly people from across the group um, just started seeing the large scale projects that are underway, such as the Invusa Energy Programme in South Africa and our Kelp Blue investment in Namibia. And they were saying, these are all great projects, but what can I do as an individual to do my bit? And so we're so lucky here at De Beers to have an amazingly diverse and highly intelligent network of employees that it would be an awful shame to waste that drive and enthusiasm. So the community was a way that we could get together on a more casual basis and start sharing our ideas and concerns with each other. And by doing so, identify some smaller projects and solutions that we hope help us all to be more effective and a more effective part of the climate action solution. We realised pretty early on that the complexity of the situation was a major inhibitor of, of action and that if we could work to provide some simple guidance that it would actually help people feel less intimidated to act. Um, we decided the best way to go about this was to sort of divide up our efforts into kind of categories of kind of educate and inform, document and act and govern, which is essentially a simplified version of the ADCAR change management approach. With the educate and inform, we picked a few um, focus areas high impact areas such as food and high visibility areas such as travel. And we created some simple outreach programs to raise awareness through sharing some simple facts that we hoped would get people thinking. We developed our Climate Action Manifesto, which is a document that's now available on Pursuit for everyone to see, which we hope lays out a sort of more extensive series of those facts and figures, along with some simple actions that people can take to make a climate positive change in their lives, both at work, but also at home. And for acting government, we started lobbying group policyholders for some of the high impact and high visibility focus areas, initially to find out what their plans were for the inclusion of more sustainable metrics and behaviours, but also to support and evolving the policies to support more sustainable decisions. We now have a new travel policy coming out later this year, and we are making other progress into other areas such as the canteen too. And none of that could be done without a group wide effort from people really giving their time. We also found a great app, Deester, which pulls together all of this information in a gamified way. And it's been really fun to share this information and take our colleague network on this journey too. It's all about sharing information and supporting better decision-making. We can't tell people what to do, of course, but we can help them change how they think about things and act upon it in an informed way. And as people think differently about the small things, we start to see the bigger opportunities too. And that's been really encouraging to see how positively people have responded to all these initiatives. Sharing information in an easily digestible way has really given people confidence to be part of this movement and allowed them to speak out. And I have met some wonderful people, heard some incredible stories and seen some really positive changes along the way, which give me great hope for the future. Really nice. And um, you, you mentioned Deedster and actually we have a Deedster expert here, if you will, because Elmarie actually won our last Deedster challenge. And um, would you just explain a little bit about what it was and uh, why you won? It's a gamified sustainability and climate action application or app like we know it which is specifically designed to educate and engage employees in climate and sustainability matters. It also um, gives you a platform or opportunity to learn more about your personal carbon footprint. You answer a few questions and it gives you a little diagram where you can see how out of line you are. So it's also um, gives you what actions, and I assume that's your deeds, you can take to make a positive change and most importantly to help protect our planet. 
So the first digital um, challenge focused on uh, climate change and nature loss. And if I can give a little teaser on the second challenge, it continues with the learning journey and it takes a bit of a deeper dive into the areas of energy, water and waste and how we can reduce the negative impacts on our planet through responsible and sustainable management of the precious resources that we often take for granted. So I downloaded the app, registered with my company email, and the rest is history from the first quiz question. Secondly, I did over 700 uh, deeds during the challenge period. The winning announcement email came from Deedster. So um, yes, it, it left me speechless. I'm still in awe. I'm honored and proud to be the first uh, De Beers Deedster champion. Then to the part, what have I learned? I think all of us learn every day, but I think the fact that I, most of the deeds I'm already doing in my day-to-day -day life, the one deed I never thought about was standby energy. I was always in the, under the impression that for as long as the appliance is not switched on or working, you don't use electricity. So new house rule, switch off and unplug. So I just want to encourage the listeners that it is really effortless. It gives you a moment to stop, take a deep breath and re-energize. And at home, everyone wants to take part in answering the quiz questions. So you've got a double, double win. That's fantastic. Oh, I'm just, yeah, I'm delighted for you. If that is an isn't an incentive for the rest of the people at De Beers to jump on the next challenge about energy, waste and water, I don't know what is. Uh, congratulations again, Elmarie. And um, Alice, I'm going to come to you now because uh, you're in a similar part of the world, but obviously countries away in Botswana. Um, now, I'm interested to hear how Diamond Trading Botswana is being more sustainable in the Garbarone office. Could you tell me a little bit more, window into your world, please? Thanks, Al. I think to your point earlier, we are now have moved from words to um, and feelings to actions. So from a diamond trading company, Botswana space of things, basically from the building itself, the corporate building, um, I think credit goes to the architects who designed this building. Because if you appreciate our site, um, it's got a lot of glass windows. So therefore, our energy demand from an electricity space of things um, was reduced because of the design of the building. So obviously, they had sustainability and elements in mind when they um, designed this building. So credit goes to them. But above and beyond that, um, we as DTCB, as a business, we've implemented a number of initiatives. So one of the things that we really started off with was rescheduling the equipment operating hours on site, particularly the lighting and the HVAC, which is, facilitates the air conditioning for the site. So these were rescheduled from um, 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. Instead of having all the equipment running the entire night, they're rescheduled and such that it only starts up when people are about to come for work because normally we come to work um, around 8. So it really brought um, a lot of savings in that space. But aside from that, um, DTCB has also installed a one megawatt solar plant. And this was done in two phases. Phase one was completed um, 
last year and phase two just came on board um, early this year. And this really has led to energy savings, like um, the average for 2023 is 20% in terms of energy savings. And then the year to date is 14.6. So it's really brought positive changes for us and reduced um, one of the big aspects around your scope one, two um, aspects within a corporate setup. Then um, we went the hybrid way in terms of vehicles. So we have a replacement strategy for our pool vehicles. Uh, so far, year to date, we've got five hybrid vehicles of which are used um, by employees in various departments. Thank you, Alice. Uh, extremely practical things that I'm sure that every site uh, could could absolutely adopt. couple of quick questions, if I may. Um, how many employees roughly are there at the site? So within DTCB itself, um, in the region of 450 plus or minus, depending um, if they're business partners who are doing works on site. And then we've got the DBGSS, DBS Global Site Holder Sales. They occupy the third floor on the other side of the building and they are in the region, I think, of 250 plus or minus. Okay. So it's, it's a large number of people on site. Well, I guess um, closing question for you all. I'm really interested in what you think is going to be really important for your area of the business to achieve in the next 12 months. And Elmarie, if I may, we'll go reverse alphabetical order. I'll start with you if that's okay. So we definitely are focused to increase our participation in the next Easter uh, challenge. We want to change the podium position. We, our company came fifth, so we are looking forward to a first position. Then um, also because we are situated within a national park, uh, we will have a more laser focused effort on our no more plastic campaign to in support of the gazetted plastic ban for national parks. So that is for us very important. Then expand, expand our current office recycling project to a wider um, area. We are busy with uh, replacing all fluorescent lights with LEDs and takes quite a bit of um, project management because the, the workshops are big and there's a lot of them. Then also to form meaningful partnerships to support, assist with sustainability initiatives that will make um, even a bigger difference in our community. That's so wonderful to hear. And I do hear you on those um, fluorescent tubes. My goodness, they're so large. They do take a lot of project management to <laughs> replace and sort. So good effort there. Um, Charlotte, I'll come to you next. Um, so in my new role as part of the sustainability integration team, I'm really looking forward to continuing the work that's already underway to manage the integration of our sustainability goals into our core strategy and to make us really walk the talk around the good work that's going on around the group. I'm also looking forward to meeting so many of the amazing team who are working so hard to deliver these initiatives. And of course, I'm looking forward to more deed steering. Love that. Thank you, Charlotte. And how about you, Alice? What about the next 12 months for you? Fundamentally, it's identifying opportunities for sustainable uh, partnerships and collaboration with key stakeholders. Um, we've been challenged with the blue sky thinking to say, as a BU, you can achieve what you can, but as a collective, whether it's sister companies or working with the government um, and supporting them in driving the, the, the larger sustainability goal 
of, of the nation, we can make a greater impact if we hold hands on this journey. And it goes back to that aspect around what gives me hope, that if we don't inhibit our thinking and give it our level best, um, I think a lot can come out of this. Um, it's not always negative. There's opportunities that are out there. We just need to identify them. But most importantly, we need to achieve um, as a team. Thank you. I really enjoyed that. It's lovely to end on a message of hope. Um, I guess one last thing uh, before you go. Is there anybody in your kind of community or workspace who you would like to give a shout out to at De Beers, who's a Building Forever enthusiast or someone that you look up to or someone that you want to give a bit of praise to? I'm going to have to give a shout out to Kirsten Hund, our head of carbon neutrality. It's her passion for this subject matter has been the driving force behind so many of the amazing climate action programs we've heard about today. And what she's achieving in this space has been incredible. And we certainly wouldn't be here without her. Thank you, Kirsten. I completely agree with you. I've interviewed her on a number of occasions and have found her to be like a dog with a bone, which is fantastic for action driving. Uh, well done, Kirsten. Um, Elmarie, have you got anyone you would like to shout out? Yes, I would like to, first of all, thank you to all the NAMDEP employees um, for supporting my sustainability campaigns and our projects. Then to my manager, Jack Wasserfall, and department lead, uh, Pauline Thomas, thank you for giving me the freedom and the opportunity to explore the unknown and support some of my crazy ideas. And then also our Building Forever lead, Ursula Witboy, Please continue with your great work. Thank you. Beautiful sentiment. Thank you, Amory and Alice. Um, thanks. I I have a number. So internally within DTCB, it's obviously um, our senior leadership, our managing director. His statement was that there's more we can do around sustainability and the senior manager technical services, because um, a lot of this carbon neutrality work stream is within her department, um, especially the energy space but also my colleagues who have um, successfully implemented these projects and we've learned a lot from these projects. Um, outside the organization, uh, Mitra, Michelle Graham, she pushes us to get these things done. Uh, and um, Pomosate, who is really looking for collaboration and partnership. So big ups to all of them. Whoop, whoop. Repeat. Love that. <laughs> well, look, thank you uh, to you, Elmarie, to you, Charlotte, and to you, Alice, for a, a really fascinating conversation. I got so much out of it. And I do hope that our listeners um, can turn that hope into some real action wherever they are. Um, join us again for the next podcast very soon. And a big thank you to my guests. Thanks for tuning into Building Forever, a podcast from DBS Group. Ethical practice, thriving communities, equal opportunity, and the natural world are topics teeming with questions. If there's something you think we should discuss in a future episode, do get in touch with us. You'll find us at DBS Group Communications at dbsgroup.com. Until next time.